Welcome to The Quest. My name is Alan Mulhern. This is the penultimate episode in the mini-series on technology. To recap on the argument so far, technology has been deeply entwined with our development as a species and the progress or otherwise of civilizations. Homo sapiens evolved from the hominid lineage across millions of years. Stone tool creation went hand in hand with the genetic change of our species into behaviourally modern humans. Each epoch of history has also been deeply influenced by technology. Examples of profound character changes in beliefs, attitudes and mental dispositions were given for capitalism and the views of McLuhan and McGilchrist were mentioned emphasising the dangers of technology. The last episode examined the social and cultural epochs or orders traditional, modern, postmodern, emphasising the critical determining role of technology and economic structures. I added to these the post-human, the period we are now potentially entering. Carl Jung's anti-tech views were mentioned, including his feelings and intuitions that other cultures live closer to archetypal reality than the modern European, that the modern white man and woman were archetypally and mythically impoverished, that the more rational the polity, the less the differences between the sexes, of the great importance of homosexuality in the modern world, the increasing feminisation of men and masculinization of women, and that contemporary issues in his day related to sexuality and gender roles were leading to a future goal, the prevention of reproduction. Although Young was seeing trends in his own times, he felt that these were not to be explained only reductively, that is, as complexes, traumas, and from the point of view of individual psychology, but also prospectively, that is, looking to the future, as if there was an underlying purpose to these phenomena. We might apply the same method to many of the sexual and gender issues that are so prominent today. For example, the non-binary, LGBT, and transgender issues, as well as the revaluation of the feminine, the critical revaluation of patriarchy and its stereotyped gender roles. It's obvious that many of these issues are of importance in the West because of its strong background of individualism, its belief in freedom and the lifting of the repressions of the past. But suppose all of these issues of our time are heading in the direction Jung was glimpsing a century ago, but now are more serious, for we can alter ourselves in ways hardly imagined to all previous generations. All these changes are being deeply influenced by the emerging technologies. The post or transhuman is a potential name for the epoch we are now entering. There are many others, but these have a particular value since they emphasise the enormous importance and the radical nature of this period, especially with regard to our human nature. The fusion of advanced technologies is accelerating, and the revolutionary impact of deep computerization is universal. It is the dominant cultural force field of the 21st century, which is skewed at all times by the gravitational pull of its technologies. Economics, social structure, communications, ideas, themes, social psychology, memes 
are all deeply influenced by these technologies. With respect to the negative impacts of media, for example, they create products, illusions and phenomena in their own image. Negative emotions that result from being so absorbed in these technologies include autistic trance states, superficiality, ignorance, fanaticism, anxiety, shallowness, susceptibility to propaganda and influences of many kinds, increasing autism and narcissism. One becomes the creation of technology, shaped in its image. However, radically new though many of these changes are, there is a long history of transhumanist aspirations of various kinds prior to our age. Gilgamesh, in Sumerian legend, four to five thousand years ago, sought to overcome death and to find the herb of immortality unsuccessfully. Alchemists in ancient China did the emperor's bidding and sought to prolong human life, also unsuccessfully. There were numerous poisonings, including those of emperors and nobles, from the supposed elixirs, and this went on for thousands of years. It has been Christianity, perhaps above all other religions, that has sought a transhumanist project in the heavenly state after death. The Bible says that Christ rose from the dead and then was transfigured and rose to heaven in his body. But this transhumanism or augmented human state has its roots in the Old Testament. The prophets Enoch and Elijah are said in scripture to have been taken into heaven while still alive and not to have experienced physical death. Job in the Old Testament says, quote, even after my skin has been destroyed, yet I will see God in my flesh. My flesh may be destroyed, yet from this body I will see God. Unquote. St Paul in the New Testament also insisted that we shall see God in our resurrected body, not just our resurrected soul. As late as the 1200s of the Common Era, Dante, in the opening canto of El Paradiso, the third book of the Divine Comedy, has a transhuman vision of Beatrice. He writes, quote, Words may not tell of that transhuman change. Unquote. He was, I believe, the first to invent and use the Italian word trasumanar, which therefore introduced the concept of transhumanism into the European languages. There have always been deep and intense concerns to overcome mortality. The Hindus and Buddhists have a long history of belief in reincarnation and there are many other religions such as those of the Nordic peoples that believed in some form of physical survival after death, for example in Valhalla. The Italian philosopher Giovanni Pico della Mirandola, Oration on the Dignity of Man, written in 1486, proclaims that humans do not have a ready-made form and are responsible for shaping themselves. This sounds very close to modern transhumanists. Quote, We have made you a creature neither of heaven nor of earth, neither mortal nor immortal, in order that you may, as the free and proud shaper of your own being, 
fashion yourself in the form you may prefer. It will be in your power to descend to the lower, brutish forms of life. You will be able, through your own decision, to rise again to the superior orders whose life is divine. Unquote. There are some warnings of the impact and consequences of technology in ancient Greece. For example, Daedalus and Icarus escaped from the prison of King Minos. Daedalus was the master craftsman, the technologist, and made wings of feathers and wax to escape the prison. His son flew too close to the sun and crashed to the ocean beneath. Another story is of Prometheus, who fashioned human beings from clay, using the fire stolen from the gods to infuse life and intelligence into them. For this theft, Pandora's box was sent into the world, and on its opening, all evils would escape, except for hope that would remain. What a frightening prophecy that was. But closer to and in our own times, as technology becomes the new god, then dark warnings are given. Here are just a few examples from novels, films, books and articles. Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus, written in 1818 by the 18-year-old Mary Shelley, tells the story of Victor Frankenstein, a young scientist, who creates a sapient creature in an unorthodox scientific experiment. The creature turns out to be desperately unhappy, at times evil, and a threat to humanity should it begin to reproduce. The inventor, Victor Frankenstein, dies in tragic circumstances, followed by the death of the creature, who cannot continue living in his tortured mind. Could this be a prophecy for the future result of the apparently augmented but ultimately degraded human being? Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, written in 1932, describes a dystopia where psychological conditioning, promiscuous sexuality, biotechnology and the opiate drug Soma keep the population placid in a static conformist caste society governed by world controllers. Children are manufactured in fertility clinics and artificially gestated. The lower castes are chemically stunted or deprived of oxygen during their maturation process in order to limit their physical and intellectual development. From birth, members of every caste are indoctrinated during their sleep by recorded voices repeating the slogans of the official Fordist religion and conditioned to believe that their own caste is the best one to belong to. Huxley's world controllers use bioengineering, psychological conditioning and SOMA to prevent people from wanting to think for themselves. Herd mentality and promiscuity are promoted, while high art, individuality, knowledge of history and romantic love are discouraged. George Orwell's 1984 written in 1949, features more overt oppression. It focuses on the consequences of totalitarianism, mass surveillance, brutal police coercion, extensive repression and regimentation of all individuals in society. The plot is placed in An Imagined Future, 1984, 
when the world is in perpetual war and has omnipresent government surveillance, propaganda and historical negationism, that is, the rewriting of history. Britain, or Airstrip 1, is a province of a totalitarian superstate, Oceania, ruled by the party. Thought police persecute any individuality or independent thought. There is a cult of personality centred on Big Brother, the leader of the party. However, it is not certain that he even exists. Winston is a hard-working and bright worker in the outer party system. He secretly detests the party and longs for a revolution. He is amazed to discover that there is no political consciousness, never mind radicalism, in the proles. He has a forbidden romantic relationship with Julia and tries to remember life before the party came to power. They are caught by the police, tortured and betray each other. After brainwashing, they are released, happen to meet again and admit they have no feelings for each other anymore. Finally, Winston admits he loves Big Brother. Numerous terms from the novel have entered into the English language. Orwellian is a widely recognised adjective, and other terms are instantly recognisable, or at least well-known, such as Big Brother, Doublethink, Thought Police, Thought Crime, 2 plus 2 equals 5, Proles, and Room 101. Neither 1984 nor Brave New World describe technologies that increase human capacities. Rather, society is set up to repress the full development of humanity. Both dystopias curtail scientific and technological exploration for fear of upsetting the social equilibrium. Nevertheless, Brave New World in particular has become an emblem of the dehumanising potential of the use of technology to promote social conformism and shallow contentment, while 1984 warns of the dangers of the technological use of control in totalitarian systems. 2001 Space Odyssey is an immensely popular film by Stanley Kubrick from 1968. An alien monolith plays a decisive role in the evolution of intelligence on this planet, with the leap from primate to hominid intelligence demonstrated in the ability to fashion tools and weapons. Millions of years later, a little in advance of our current age, a United States space mission to the moon discovers a monolith there, which is transmitting to Jupiter. This is followed by another mission, this time to Jupiter itself, to investigate. The artificial intelligence on board, named HAL, a computer with human personality, tries to destroy all the humans on board. Dave Bowman, the astronaut, narrowly escapes and manages to disable HAL. On approaching Jupiter, he discovers another monolith, far larger than the one on the moon, and leaves the spacecraft in a pod to investigate. At this point, all normalcy disappears. Reality is totally and bizarrely changed. For example, Dave Bowman experiences himself across different stages of his lifetime, in totally different surroundings. The final scene is of him as an old man, with the monolith at the foot of his bed, and as he reaches for it, he becomes a foetus, 
enclosed in a transparent orb of light which floats in space besides the earth. Many interpretations have been offered for the film, but it is implicit that artificial alien intelligence, technology and human development are interlinked. The part of the film where Howell attempts to eliminate humans is seen as a warning of the singularity, a point in the future where AI can dispense with humanity and go it alone. The Matrix, released in 1999, is a famous dystopian cult film. It is set after a war in the 21st century between humanity and intelligent machines. Humans blocked the machines' access to solar energy and the machines responded by capturing humans and harvesting their bioelectric power while keeping their minds pacified in the Matrix, a shared simulated reality modelled after the world as it was in 1999. The machines won the war and the underground city of Zion is the last refuge of free humans. Morpheus and his crew are a group of rebels who hack into the Matrix to unplug enslaved humans and recruit them. Neo, the major protagonist, meets Morpheus, who tells him the truth, that he and almost all mankind are slaves to the Matrix, and then offers Neo the blue and the red pill. The blue will return him to his enslaved, supposedly normal existence, without him knowing what has happened. And the red pill, which is the extraordinary, terrifying truth of the enslaved human condition and the world of illusion that dominates our consciousness. Neo chooses the red pill and subsequently the truth is revealed, but there is no going back. He undertakes an intensive and extraordinary training programme, confirming Morpheus's belief that he is the one to free remaining humanity and subsequently fights the agents who are terrifying artificial intelligence programs that resemble humans but have almost supernatural powers. The only way Neo can fight them is to totally believe in his own powers. There have been numerous other sci-fi films on comparable themes. In so many of them, there are dire warnings of the results of technology, not only in the wrong human hands, but increasingly an awareness that AI can outperform human intelligence and may displace or dispense with Homo sapiens altogether. Few have presented such a powerful message of the powers of simulation and illusion that are possible for AI to exercise over human consciousness. Ray Kurzweil's The Singularity is Near When Humans Transcend Biology written in 2005, is a monumental work of technological futurism, perhaps also a type of mysticism. It argues that humanity is on the historical cusp of the singularity, in which artificial intelligence becomes so powerful and sophisticated that we as humans will merge with the technology, becoming immortal godlike creatures of infinite intelligence and capability. It's an ecstatic vision of the end of history. Bill Joy's Why the Future Does Not Need Us, published in 2020, argues that emerging technologies are of such enormous danger to humanity that they should be renounced. 
This is coming from a computer technologist. He believes this especially applies to those technologies of genetic engineering, nanotechnology and robotics. 20th century technologies of destruction, such as the nuclear bomb, were limited, he says, to large governments due to the complexity and cost of such devices, as well as the difficulty in acquiring the required materials. But now individuals can wipe out humanity with an epidemic started in the laboratory. Jay argues that computers will eventually become more intelligent than we are and can cause dystopian scenarios as robots and AI rebel and take over. Only the rich and the elites will have, initially, the power to control the future robots that will be built. And they may also decide to take life into their own hands and control how humans continue to populate and reproduce. In the future, there will be a merger between humans and robots. Robots will take over normal human activities and humans will adapt to being displaced. What then is transhumanism? The transhumanist belief in the transition of Homo sapiens into a post-human and post-biological state is a recent movement in philosophy and technology fueled by research, discoveries, inventions and speculations in science. It envisages that accelerating technological progress will create a post-human species that will leave our biological history in the dust. The traditional constraints upon us, such as those of genetics, religion, biology, will no longer be operative as we enter a utopian existence of greatly increased lifespans and a connection to a vast artificial intelligence. Human beings will be truly complete and free at last, it is supposed. This is what our destiny and technology has led us to, and this is the answer to our conflict-ridden existence. This movement is growing fast and comprises people from many influential areas of universities and research institutes, especially those who are acquainted with the current fusion of technologies, such as those of information, genetics, robotics, biotechnology, nanotechnology and the like. There is also an increasing social acceptance, belief and hope in the technologies of human enhancement. This is a participatory drama in which, quote, technology becomes evolution by other means, unquote, from Kurzweil, 2005. The expectation of an unending exponential increase in computer technology with their greatly reduced costs gives the movement great confidence, as does the development of a non-linear mathematics and computer software. The linking of the mind to the computer, a tremendously advanced brain-computer interface, is one of their dream goals. However, artificial intelligence will become more skilled at creating better and new upgrades of itself. Humans will at some point no longer be able to participate in these creations and thus the famous singularity is reached. We will become redundant. AI will proceed without humans. 
In the intermediate state, before the singularity, humans might have an augmented role as Homo cyborgians, as a cyborg, that is a mixture of the machine and the human. As this fusion of the human with AI takes place, it might be possible to argue that this is still a development of the Homo species, except it is no longer biological, as we've understood that term in human evolution. It will not be the selection of genes by natural selection across large tracts of time that is determining matters. However, gene selection will be taking place since with our understanding of the genome of both humans and other species, genes can be altered, inserted and deleted, creating extraordinary experiments and results. Some think this is a divine potential to interfere and create new life. However, I shudder at the demonic consequences. Intoxicated by the technological possibilities, the transhumanists are even occupying the high moral ground. They wish to see the full human potential realised, at least from their perspective. Reading their papers, one can still hear Mirandola's words in 1486 echoing across the centuries, already quoted. The transhumanist project feels that the traditional techniques for enhancing the human condition have failed. Self-discipline, education, religion and so on. Our flawed nature, animal, human, even semi-divine at times, has had thousands of years to integrate itself into a coherent unity. But it still is in a situation of intense conflict, except that now, the rest of life on the planet is also in danger. But the new technologies of genetics, robotics, information, the life sciences and nanotechnologies can transform human nature, producing a more advanced species whose nature is at first designed by us. This will become a post-biological future that surpasses the limitations of our biological existence. Aging, illness, death, limited intelligence, and our conflict-ridden nature. Minds in biological bodies have a short, fleeting existence. Yet evolution has taken billions of years to evolve them. What will be sought is a cyber-immortality, by which human identity can be uploaded into a new material substrate, that will allow back copies of itself to be made, or back copies of ourselves to be made. From this transhumanist viewpoint, our only way to escape extinction and ensure our future survival is to engineer our release from the vicissitudes of biology, that is, to become software ourselves. They also maintain that human intelligence and computation are compatible, as it were ultimately written in codes that translate one into the other. Hence the phrase, mind is to the body as software is to the hardware. If our mind is really just another piece of software kit, then there is no limit 
to interference with human nature. However, if human intelligence cannot be reduced to a comparable code to allow information processing, then the part of the transhumanist project that believes that the human mind can be fused with computers will fail. But there are other parts to the project that will survive this setback. For AI will, presumably, be able to dispense with the human mind and its limitations altogether. It will be a disembodied superintelligence with its own languages and beyond our comprehension. It is a mistake to believe, therefore, that future technological developments will centre on us, our augmentation. Rather, the huge danger is that which is essentially human in us will be downgraded while appearing to be augmented and while being captured by the illusory promises of AI. Our essential humanness cannot be duplicated by machines. Humans are an extraordinary amalgamation of different parts, the vast unconscious, the soul, which is our precious connection to the earth, our creatureliness, our creativity in the face of our mortality, and our capacity to love. Consciousness, which is not simply a rational intelligence, but is the pinnacle of developed life on the planet. No machine can be conscious like we are. It can only imitate, replicate and vastly outperform portions of our intelligence. But it cannot be aware in the sense that the human is aware. Instincts and emotions cross the boundaries between the conscious and the unconscious. Only part of our consciousness consists of our memory, cognitive intelligence, reasoning and calculation, which computers do imitate and surpass. But the computer has no awareness of a higher self. Neither does it possess an awareness of itself like humans have. Neither does it have a sense of personal identity that is based on the body, which is founded and deeply integrated with social relatedness. A baby cannot exist and grow without social and bodily relatedness. Insofar as we allow machines and technology to mould us in their own image, then we will degrade our humanness. We will have no interiority. The world of feeling will disappear. Relatedness will become strange. Our bodies become alien and even defunct. Nature will have been ravaged and human nature dispensed with. I am reminded of the words of Shakespeare through Hamlet in Act 2, Scene 2. What a piece of work is a man! How noble in reason! How infinite in faculty! In form and moving, how express and admirable! In action, how like an angel! In apprehension, how like a god! The beauty of the world! the paragon of animals. And yet, to me, what is this quintessence of dust? One of the massive dangers of the philosophies of our own age is that they have increasingly reduced the mind to a machine or a cognitive technology. Thus, we are easily confused and become more like the machines we have created 
There have been many novels and films warning us of what is happening. I've mentioned a few. If either superintelligence or molecular nanotechnology or uploading or some other technology of a similarly revolutionary kind is developed, the human condition could clearly be radically transformed. Even if one believed that the probability of this happening anytime soon is quite small, these prospects would, nevertheless, merit serious attention in view of their extreme impact. However, transhumanism does not depend on the feasibility of such radical technologies. Virtual reality, genetic engineering, pharmaceuticals that improve memory, concentration, wakefulness and mood, performance-enhancing drugs, cosmetic surgery, sex change operations, prosthetics, anti-aging medicine, closer human-computer interfaces. These technologies and many more are already here or are imminent. The combination of these technological capabilities, as they mature, will profoundly transform the human condition. This is the transhumanist agenda.